I'm Nick. Uh, so just a few minutes, Alex is going to come up here. He's going to continue our, uh, our service on the Move series. Um, and then afterwards, the band's going to come up and lead us in some praise. But stick around to the end because I'm going to tell you how to get some Horizon swag at the end. So stick around. But then here's Alex. What are you willing to pay for something you really want? A few months ago, Nintendo came out with the NES Classic, an updated version of their original Nintendo Entertainment System. It retailed for $60 at stores, but on eBay they were selling for as much as $500 because they were in such hot demand. People will pay crazy amounts of money for something they want. And this morning we're talking about how much does the abundant life cost? If it's too expensive, right, some of us won't want to be a part of it. If it's too cheap, some of us will wonder if it's really worth it. So how much does the abundant life cost? What's it going to cost us to enjoy this abundant life that Jesus Christ makes available to us? No one likes change, especially me. I hate change. And so anytime there's going to be a change, people always weigh, what's the cost to change? If you're not enjoying an abundant life right now, you're probably thinking, what's it going to cost me? And is it worth the cost? In my life, I hate change so much that sometimes even if the cost is reasonable and the result is good, I don't want to do it just because I hate change. We recently moved from one apartment to another. We're still moving some stuff because it's taken so long. I hate change so much that I dragged my feet, even though this was a good change. Rent was cheaper, we had more space, there was central air conditioning versus window units, they actually pick up our trash and recycling. I know it's crazy, but at our old place there was no trash or recycling, I had to haul it off somewhere if I wanted to get rid of it. So pretty much everything is better at the new place, but I hated change so much that I dragged my feet. Most people won't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain or the cost of change. So it's important for us to know and weigh the cost of embracing the abundant life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to look in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21, and just see what the Apostle Paul told these early believers about the cost of enjoying an abundant life in Christ. He says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice here that Paul says the abundant life is a gift. He stresses that you cannot earn it. No matter what you do, you can never deserve it. You can only freely receive it by faith. Now, the early followers of Jesus Christ struggled to understand this. Why would God give them something they didn't deserve? Um, how could they get this great gift for free? False teachers would enter into the early churches and tell them, you have to keep the Old Testament law. And so that's what Paul is addressing here when he says the law and the prophets talked about it, but you can't earn the salvation that Jesus offers through the law. 
Paul explained that no matter what you did, you could never deserve the gift that Jesus is offering. It's too good. It's too valuable. No matter what you sacrificed or what you gave, you could never earn it. You don't pay for it. You take it. You open it. A gift is free. You simply accept it. But to enjoy a gift, you must use it. And that's where we're going to dig in a little bit this morning. So what will the abundant life cost you? Nothing. It's a gift. And yet, everything. Let me explain what I mean. If someone gives me a Fitbit as a present, you know Fitbits, they are like a watch on your wrist, and they essentially track your steps, they track your exercise, they track your heart rate. If someone gives that to me as a gift, it costs me nothing. I simply take it, I receive it, I accept it. But if I put it on my wrist and I start using it, it's gonna end up costing me something. Now, I didn't pay for it, I didn't earn it from the person, it was a free gift, but using it will cost me time exercising, it'll cost me sweat, uh, it could cost me investing in running shoes or in gym memberships. There could be a lot of cost associated with truly enjoying the gift. The gift is free, but using the gift is costly. Now, I think many people have accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ through faith, but they've done nothing with it since then. They're happy that their eternity with Jesus is secure, but they've put their gift on the shelf until then, not realizing that what they're shelving is the abundant life now. Now, we receive the gift of Jesus Christ by grace through faith, and grace means that it is good that we did not deserve. And so I'm going to stress this again. We do not earn it. We do not pay God back by serving him and others. But grace, the concept of grace, is against earning, not against effort. That's very important. True grace reflected in a human heart will result in action. The action on the grace we have received allows us to enjoy the abundant life. And the Bible talks about this in several places. Perhaps the most famous is in James 2.17, where James says, Faith without works is dead. Belief by faith opens the door, but discipleship is walking through the door and putting your faith to work. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, right before Jesus ascends up to heaven, he gives this, what we refer to as the Great Commission, essentially what he wants the church to be about now that he's going to be in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus told us to go everywhere and make disciples, not collect decisions. To make disciples. In the first century, rabbis were traveling teachers who would travel around the country teaching an interpretation of the Old Testament. They would attract followers called disciples who would model their life and they would model their behavior on the teachings of their master. So this was a very common um, subject or idea in the first century, but I think we've lost the idea of what it means to be a disciple today. Dallas Willard said, Jesus described discipleship as the greatest opportunity that any human being will ever have. Being a disciple, if we just want to sum it up in a simple way, is living and loving like Jesus did. And so being a disciple is the cost of the abundant life that Jesus made available for us on the cross. 
Being a disciple is not just the cost of an abundant life, though. Being a disciple is in itself the abundant life. It is the consummation of an abundant life in practice. Being a disciple of Jesus is a supernatural life we can't live without first accepting his free gift of salvation. But salvation isn't the end, it's just the beginning. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian pastor in Nazi Germany. Um, as Adolf Hitler came to power and throughout his reign, he ultimately was hung shortly before the end of the war for his anti-Nazi positions. And he wrote extensively on the contrast between the ministers who affirmed the Nazi regime and those who resisted. And uh, he, he drew this contrast between those who simply mentally assented to the Christian doctrine, and many times their lives and their behaviors didn't reflect it, and those who actually lived it out. He believed that the Bible taught about costly grace. Here's what he said. Costly grace costs a person their life, but it is grace because it gives you back the only true life. We have to die to our mediocre lives so God can resurrect an abundant life in us. Now that's scary because we know what our mediocre life entails and we don't know what an abundant life might look like or what an abundant life might ask of us. And so many times we choose the monotony of what we know rather than the abundance of the unknown. Could it be that the reason that so many Christians don't enjoy the Christian life is because they've assumed that their salvation is for the future. It's for heaven. It's something you set aside until you die instead of something that you open up and you enjoy and put to use now. Could it be that we've mentally assented to the doctrines of Christianity, but we've never become disciples of Jesus Christ, learning to live and love like he did? Discipleship is not learning the books of the Bible. Discipleship is not reciting some creed. It's not assenting to core doctrines. Discipleship is not one person teaching the rest of us. Discipleship is us learning together, learning from Jesus, how to live and love in community like he did. In the company of Jesus, we are all beginners. We're all learning from him together. In the first century, there was no such thing as a solitary disciple. It's a very Western concept to think of us out here existing on our own, growing on our own, making our own decisions. Well, salvation is a personal decision. Discipleship is a community event. The expectation was always that people learned and grew best together in community. So while this gift must be received individually, it's enjoyed corporately. It's enjoyed as a group. Jesus often talked about in his teachings about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is a countercultural reality in the midst of a broken world. As people freely receive his gift of salvation and live out of the grace that he freely bestows, little pockets of heaven manifest on earth. Dallas Willard again says, the highest aim of a student or a disciple of Jesus Christ is to learn to live like him in his kingdom. The kingdom is a result of discipleship. As individuals live and love like Jesus Christ together in community, it creates the kingdom. The kingdom is where the abundance, the abundant life exists. In the abundant life, this kingdom doesn't happen in the absence of pain and chaos and all the brokenness 
of life, but it happens right in the middle of it. The abundant life is not heaven someday, somewhere. It's right here, right now, as we live and love like Jesus together in community, in the midst of tragedies and sufferings and everything that's wrong with our world. And so this is where the cost of the kingdom comes into play because it's his kingdom and not our kingdom. In his kingdom, we don't have money. It's his money. In his kingdom, we don't have time. It's his time. In his kingdom, we don't have preferences. It's his preferences. Everything belongs to the king in his kingdom. Now, what we desire is an abundant life where we sit on the throne, where we make the decisions, where we're in charge. But there's no scenario where we are in charge of our money, we are in charge of our schedules, we are in charge of our relationships, and it results in an abundant life. The abundant life is when God takes control of our money, our schedules, and our relationships. The cost of enjoying an abundant life is abdicating the throne of your life to God. Now, this is critical to understand. Once again, we cannot earn an abundant life. If we try to earn God's favor, we will fail. And this is why Paul says in the passage, the law and the prophets talk about salvation, but that's not how you get it. Everybody is the same. Everyone has fallen short. No one can get there on their own merit. We all desperately need Jesus. If we attempt to live and love like Jesus Christ without first accepting his free gift of forgiveness, we will never have the supernatural strength to love the unlovable and to forgive the unforgivable. Everything starts with accepting the free gift of Jesus Christ by faith. If you haven't done that, the abundant life will always be elusive to you. It'll always be just out of reach. But the good news is, if you haven't done that, you can do that today. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it's very simple. You cry out to Jesus and you say, I can't make it on my own. I can never be good enough. I can't handle this life on my own. I desperately need you. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God himself who has come down to earth in the form of man and you died in my place so that you might trade the worst part of me about me for the best part of you. If you do that, Jesus has promised that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So let's review. The abundant life starts with you accepting the free gift of salvation by faith that Jesus Christ offers. That opens the door. But we walk through the door into an abundant life when we become students or disciples of Jesus. And remember, being a student or disciple of Jesus means that we, we live and love like he did in community. As we do this in community with other people doing this, we establish the kingdom, a counter-cultural pocket universe on earth. And these little pockets of kingdom are pockets of abundant life. Now we're going to talk more about how to lean into and create these pockets or these, these kingdoms of abundance in the next few weeks as we continue our study. But right now, I want to talk about application for you today. We've covered a lot in a very short amount of time. So what can we take away today? What I want you to do is pull out a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, something to write with. You can pause the video if you need to go and look for one. And what I want you to write down on this piece of paper is the thing that you have a hard time abdicating over to the role and reign of Jesus Christ in your life. It could be 
your money because you still want to use it your way. It could be your time because you still want to control your schedule. It could be a relationship. It could be something I haven't even mentioned. But write down at least one thing. Maybe you have more that you struggle with. Write it down on this piece of paper. And now I want you to look at what you've written down on that piece of paper and recognize that this is the obstacle that's standing in the way of abundance. Until you let God rule and reign over this area of your life, you will never experience the abundant life. So the question you have to ask yourself as you look at that piece of paper today is, how much do I want to experience an abundant life? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying in our place so that not only might we have eternity with you in heaven, but Lord, we can also experience an abundant life with you here on this earth. And God, I'm thankful that you open the door for us and forgive us for so many times thinking about salvation, thinking about the gospel as something that we'll need someday when we die, instead of recognizing that it immediately comes to play in our life and it opens up this opportunity to enjoy you and experience you with others on a deep and significant level. God, I pray for those people who have written down things on pieces of paper, Lord, that they'll look at the obstacle and they'll surrender it to your control today. And they'll say, my time is to be used how God wants. He's king. My money is to be used how God wants. He's king. My relationships are to be used how God wants because he's king. Lord, I pray that they recognize that the abundant life is well worth anything we would lay down because you take what we give up and you resurrect something better. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.